You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Rachel Adams, Managing Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, September 25th through the 29th. Welcome to this Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. My name is Rachel Adams. I'm Managing Editor. And today I have on the phone Kurt Schneider, who is president of Tech Bridge West. Hi, Kurt. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great. So happy to have you here on the podcast today. Uh, Kurt is going to be presenting in our contract manufacturing workshop at Supply Side West called Details Matter, Achieving a Successful Contract Manufacturing Partnership. Uh, the, the workshop takes place on Friday, September 29th at 8.30 a.m. This workshop is underwritten by SOAR Laboratories and Elite One Source Nutritional Services. Uh, during this session, Kurt will be discussing some critical considerations when entering a partnership with a contract manufacturer um, by offering perspective from both sides of the relationship, both from the brand owner and from the manufacturer. Uh, and today we have the opportunity to get a sneak peek of his session. So we'll go ahead and jump into some questions for Kurt. Uh, certainly when entering a partnership with a contract manufacturer, a brand owner has some responsibilities, they need to do some research upfront. Um, Kurt, can you tell us what due diligence needs to be done on the part of the brand owner before entering that partnership? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually a two-part uh, answer. Uh, a lot of people don't get the first part. The second part kind of comes naturally to them, which is uh, when you're going out looking for a contract manufacturer, try and find everyone that could possibly do your product. Most people stop at the first one or the first recommendation and go from there. There's a lot of smaller contract manufacturers out there that are willing and able to do the types of products that you have. The piece that people probably don't think about is finding out internally is the product ready to go out to contract manufacturing. Um, do you have tested, proven, in-process specifications? Do you know what equipment's required? Do you know what the specification limits are? The, the person that's doing the communication with the contract manufacturer has to make sure that all of that is in place before they can even go out and start searching for that. It's a lot more than just finding out, here's my formula. Right. So you you mentioned communication just briefly there, but that's certainly something that's really important between a contract manufacturer and a brand owner throughout this whole relationship. So can you talk a little bit about the role of communication um, in that partnership? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it is, it, you know, in effect, when you get right down to it, um, finding and, and securing a contract manufacturer, it's a negotiation between two parties. So when you when you're getting when you're getting ready to start that negotiation, you have to make sure that uh, your party, if you're the brand owner, has somebody that's skilled in that kind of negotiation. Uh, all too often, if it's a smaller company, the person that initiates that that search and negotiation is the product developer. Uh, most of the time, that product developer has very little skill in doing that negotiation. And they tend to accept things at face value rather than digging into them. Uh, for larger companies, interestingly enough, the more successful ones have a big enough uh, R&D department that they actually have uh, a contract manufacturing liaison. And they're usually people that have worked in, uh, in operations, uh, R&D, uh, maybe even marketing for that company. And, and their job is to be the liaison, to be that person doing the communication. If you're smaller and you don't have that type, 
Uh, if you're a small company, uh, it might be the president of your company that's initiating that, that communication. It might be the president of the contract manufacturers. And that's where I think it's a little bit sticky. Um, you want to make sure that the person that's doing the communication on the part of the, of the uh, brand owner understands all the different pieces of what a negotiation is, understands what to get at uh, and understand about the contract manufacturer. And on the other side, the person that's doing the contract manufacturer needs to understand the product fully to know exactly what they're getting themselves into. Um, all too often when you're dealing with a contract manufacturer and, and they're smaller, their first answer is, yes, we can do anything. doesn't matter. Uh, and a lot of that is due to the fact that they have open capacity. Uh, they're desperate for getting some business in. They want to they fill up their plants. Uh, and they end up promising things that they can't necessarily deliver. So that communication is vital up front to understand what each party, uh, where they are in, the, in their business, uh, what the product is, what it can and can't do, uh, and what the, what the contract manufacturer can and can't do. Right, absolutely. And so that communication, even, even after that initial, um, that initial stage when we're going through the ne- negotiation process, um, communication is still an important and vital part throughout the entire relationship of, of the partnership, the entire time span of the partnership. Um, how often should a contract manufacturer and a brand owner be communicating um, even after they have entered this agreement? Uh, my my take on that is is early and often. I think um, the the contract manufacturer has to uh, understand exactly how the product is made. They have to understand what the specifications are uh, in the in the part of the of the process or of the brand owner. Uh, they have to understand what the contract manufacturer's capabilities are. So as you go through this tech transfer process. The communications have to be frequent, and, and I mean, um, as you're getting closer, they could be daily. Uh, they could be on-site types of uh, meetings. I would have as many of those as possible. And I, and I think one of the things that people miss is on that early and often communication, the contract manufacturer representative should come to the customer's facility and watch them make a batch of the product. That way they can understand exactly what the product developer is looking for, what the specifications are, what kind of uh, leeway there are in the specifications. That's the communication that gets overlooked a lot of times when you have a smaller company that's just sending a formula over to a contract manufacturer. And, and probably one of the probably one of the worst cases, uh, and I've seen this happen recently, which is a little bit troubling, is that the customer with the formula will go to um, a contract manufacturer and say, "Here's my product. Here's my formula." And you take care of the rest, including develop the specifications, develop uh, the in-process limits, select the equipment to make the product in. And in that, in that case, the, the brand owner, the product developer, loses all control of that product. And in the worst case, I've seen that product back on a recall, and the formulator had no idea what was going on. So the communication has to be frequent, almost, almost like the manufacturing is part of your own facility. Right, absolutely. Um, thank you. That was great insight. Uh, so, looking at costs, that's obviously a, a big component um, of a relationship and the decision to enter a relationship between a brand and a contract manufacturer. Um, how should costs be handled on both sides before entering this partnership? I, I think there has to be a thorough understanding of what your product costs on these on the um, side of the brand owner. And not just the formula cost, not just the raw material cost, but the processing cost, the testing cost, um, everything that could possibly happen to that product, they have to understand what that cost is going in. 
on the contract manufacturer side, they have to understand what their line what their line run is, what the testing costs, any uh, accelerated orders, what those would cost, any ex uh, additional testing, what that would cost. Um, and when you put those two things together, one of the things that I advocate is when you sit down with your contract manufacturer and start talking about costs. If I'm the formulator, if I'm the product developer, if I'm the if I'm the brand owner, I open up my book. I say, well, here's what it costs me to make it. Here's my ingredient costs. Here's my what I anticipate my manufacturing costs are. Here's what my packaging costs are, testing, all of it. Because in that relationship, if you've got a good enough relationship, a good negotiation started with that contract manufacturer, they can take that and say, well, okay, I think the manufacturing costs are going to be a little bit different. Um, if the volume is such, then your cost is going to be this. If the volume is such, your cost is going to be this. But more so, you open up that line of communication that says, hey, I'm the developer. I'm telling you everything I know about this product with cost. You can tell me what you want to add on for your, um, for your tolling fee, what other, what other fees you think are going to happen. And if you have that open communication up front with an open book, you'll both get a good deal and you'll both understand it before you even start producing the product. Right. So a brand owner, in the, like you're describing here, um, you wouldn't want to show up and just say, what what cost do you think it's going to be? They should have a bunch of information um, in terms of, like you said, ingredients and et cetera, and really be ready to discuss the specifics when they open the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the biggest traps uh, in the contract manufacturing business is when a, uh, a formulator, a product developer, contacts the contract manufacturer and says, here's my formula, what, what do you think the cost might be? And the contract manufacturer may or may not throw a note, uh, uh, an idea out there. They might say, well, I think for this kind of volume, and actually they'll actually ask what the volume is up front. And very rarely does the product even understand that. Um, but what the, what the contract manufacturer will say is that I can't give you a cost until we run your product. That's a big red flag. That's a huge red flag. Because if they can't take the information up front that you're giving them with the open book and have them be able to give you a, a, a true quote even before running the product, then I, I would shy away from them because obviously they don't understand your product very well. Uh, if they're not willing to do a smaller scale batch for you to, to demonstrate competence at, on their nickel, I would shy away from them as well. But be aware of the contract manufacturer that says, I really can't give you a cost until we run this full scale on the, on the production equipment. And by the way, you, Mr. Customer, has to pay for that. Wow, that's a that's a really good tip. I could see that definitely being an issue um, to to have that situation come up. So, um, what are some other what are some mis common misunderstandings around expectations in the contract manufacturer brand owner relationship? Oh, common misunderstandings. I think um, on the part of the uh, of the brand owner, the formulator. Their assumption is when I call a contract manufacturer that they know how to do my product. Um, on the flip side, the contract manufacturer, when they talk to the, that first initial contact, they figure that the brand owner, the formulator, understands their product fully. Uh, a common misunderstanding is not understanding how to run the product before you run the product to use that, uh, to use that first run as the way to cost the material. Uh, I think another common misunderstanding is, is the parties didn't do their due diligence up front. I think uh, probably one of the biggest misunderstandings, and I'll get back to what I said earlier about that um, that process product liaison, if that person doesn't exist in the company, there's a huge gap, and that, and that gap can lead to all kinds of misunderstandings. That gap is the whole scale-up, the whole engineering piece. 
You have a formulator that knows the product on the bench. You have a contract manufacturer that understands their equipment. And if those are the two parties that are talking back and forth, that whole scale-up piece either gets ignored, brushed over, or just completely dropped. And I think that's probably one of the biggest misunderstandings is not having that piece in the middle. The way that, the way that we remedy something like that is that when we pull all of the teams together to have the initial conversation to avoid those misunderstandings, is to make sure that you have a team put together on both sides. So it's not just the formulator talking to the salesperson at the contract manufacturer, but it's, it's a product developer, it's a process developer, it's a marketer, it might even be an operations person from the customer side, and it's the salesperson, uh, it might be uh, an executive in the company, definitely somebody from operations, and if they have an R&D department, somebody there. That way you can talk one-on-one -on -one with each aspect of the product early on to avoid a lot of those misunderstandings down the road. So, Kurt, let's say, I'm, I'm not sure, I guess you can let me know if this is something that happens often um, or not, but uh, I imagine there are some people uh, who are interested, maybe they have an idea, or they have a formula, they have a product, and they think this is a great product, they think it's a great solution, and I want other people to be able to have access to that. Um, so they don't really know where to start, and maybe they don't have all that information, um, or they don't have a marketing team. At what point do they reach out to a contract manufacturer? Do they need to work on getting, um, at what do they need to work on getting a marketing person, getting R and D? Um, I feel like a lot of people probably think a contract manufacturer is a starting point, but it sounds like definitely um, that's not necessarily the case. They need to be prepared before they come to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really good point because if I'm if I'm a startup business person and I've just got a great product idea, and, and I've dealt with these people before with TechBridge West, but I work with the small startup companies that have a great product idea and maybe have gone into a, uh, a small facility to make some samples of their product and don't know where to go from there. Um, the, the small and startup business owner with the product idea, if they go straight looking for a contract manufacturer, they will fail. And they will fail because they haven't they haven't figured out their product well enough to know how it's going to come out uh, in the contract manufacturers. The example that I give, um, the fictitious example that I give all of my um, prospects when I talk about it is, think about it as a as your your grandmother's chocolate chip cookie recipe. Uh, when you were a kid, your grandmother made a great batch of chocolate chip cookies, maybe a dozen or two. Each one had its own unique taste. Each one had its own unique feel. Um, but they're all different. Uh, now, if you take that in, as a business and you go to a contract manufacturer and say, okay, I want you to make a million of these uh, a week or a month, well, the contract manufacturer is going to say, I can't make them, everyone look different and unique. They're all going to look the same. So explain to me what you're willing to give up in terms of specifications so I can make the cookie for you a million a month. And that's a big piece of communication that if there's, if there's a liaison in there, usually a consultant that can come in and work with them to understand what their specifications are and then go find out what the contract manufacturer is capable of. It's a much smoother transition. Right, absolutely. Um, that definitely sounds as though on the part of a brand owner, there really needs to be, or someone who, like, you, like a startup company, um, 
they really need a little more legwork before they enter that contract manufacturing stage, which is why I think this um, session we're going to have at Supply Side West is going to be so great because I think it's really going to uh, fill in a lot of those gaps and help people who are wanting to enter that relationship or um, wanting to enter the partnership. So I'm very excited, um, and I'm excited to hear your full presentation at Supply Side West. Uh, thank you so much for giving us a sneak peek today. Certainly. It was my pleasure. Feel free to connect with us on Twitter. Uh, you can reach us using the hashtag InsiderPodcast. You can tweet using our handle at NatProdInsider. Um, I encourage you to go to SupplySideShow.com for more information about this session and our other education opportunities and to register for the show. Um, and you can head to NaturalProductsInsider.com for more information on contract manufacturing. Uh, thank you so much, Kurt. It was a pleasure having you. It was my pleasure, and I look forward to seeing everybody at Supply Side West. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, brought to you by Supply Side West. For additional podcasts featuring industry leaders and experts, visit naturalproductsinsider.com.